Welcome to the Painesville Assembly of God podcast. We're always encouraged to know God is working through this ministry to touch lives. So if you have a story to share of how God is working in your life, please let us know by sending us an email at info at Now prepare your heart to hear a word from God today. Uh, and uh, we're continuing in a study in Jesus' Sermon on the Mount. And uh, before this, we started uh, in a series called Bless, where we talked about the Beatitudes. And how many know the Beatitudes, we said, are really about the character traits on the inside that when we are transformed by the love of Jesus, when we uh, find ourselves where we say, you know what, I am poor in spirit, I have nothing to offer, and we come and we surrender ourselves to the Lord, and we experience what it means to be born again, Christ begins to form his character in our lives. And, uh, and that's what the Beatitudes are all about, about character. And then Jesus transitions from that to talk about that we are the, the salt of the earth, that we are the light of the world. And what he's talking about is he's moving from that character ought to bring an influence to the world around us. And so we want to shift again and, and talk a little bit about that. Last week we talked about what it meant to be the salt of the earth. Today we want to dive into the metaphor of what it means to be the light of the world. Here in Matthew 5, 14, you are the light of the world. A town or a city built on a hill that the scripture says cannot be hidden. Now on August 14, 2003, shortly after 2 p.m. Eastern Standard Daylight Time, a high voltage power line in northern Ohio, it brushed against some overgrown trees and it shut down. The line had softened under the heat of the current that was coursing through that line, and normally that wouldn't be a problem. Normally, First Energy Corporation would get some kind of an alert, but they didn't because there was a bug in their system. As a result of over a half hour of that system not recognizing that some lines were down, there were other three other lines that were into trees that switched off, forcing other power lines to shoulder the extra burden. Overtaxed, they began to cut out, and by 4.05 p.m., there was a cascade of failures and outages throughout southeastern Canada and all the way down the, the side of the eastern United States, impacting huge cities that included Cleveland, included Baltimore, Detroit, Akron, Toledo, Newark, New Jersey, and New York City. How many of you remember that huge blackout that took place in 2003? Huge blackout. Well, Dr. Tony Evans uh, happened to be traveling with his wife. They were vacationing in New York and checking out some of the sites, and they were about to go back home. And so that day, they happened to drive to the airport, and when they were at the airport, they were going to do some curbside check-in, and they recognized the airport seemed a little extra busy, a little bit more of a line. So they got in line, and they began to wait. And they waited. And after about 20 minutes, he got curious because the line didn't move. And so he got out, he went up front, and he found out about this blackout that, uh, that they were waiting to see if the power would come on. After a little while, they shut down the airport because airplanes couldn't fly in and out without, uh, without power. And, uh, and dusk was setting in. And so he called to see if he could find a room. And he found one room at the Crown Plaza LaGuardia Airport. And so he and his wife made their way there. And when they entered into the hotel, it was quite dark. And the area was candle lit. And they were selling flashlights. And so they checked in and they bought a couple of flashlights. And they headed up the stairs because the elevators weren't working to their room. And as they opened up the door into their room, they recognized the air conditioning had been off for a while. 
So it was quite hot in the room. There were no lights. And so they pointed the flashlight over to the window and they were going to see if there was a way in which they could open up the window to get some air to come in. And as they made way, they pulled the blinds back to their window and all of a sudden across the street, they saw the Marriott Hotel across the street all lit up. In fact, not only lit up, but there was music that was playing. And so they were curious, what is going on at the Marriott? How, when they look across the city that is completely dark and everything is dark, how is the Marriott lit up? So they made their way back downstairs and across the street. And as they went into the lobby, they were hit with cool air conditioning. They were hit with the smell of food and they saw a line leading to a buffet where there was hot food. There were TVs that were lining the lobby with CNN talking about what was going on and that New York City was completely dark. And yet there they were in this hotel that was completely lit up. He was saying, I don't understand this. how, How can this be? And so he found an assistant manager. And when he got to the assistant manager, he began to ask him a question. He said, how, how can there be so much light in the midst of so much darkness? The manager said, we've been asked that question all night. Let me tell you what happened. You see, when we built this hotel, we decided that we were going to build it with gas generators because what that makes us that we are not dependent upon what's going on out there. And that gives us in here what we do not possess. In fact, what this hotel had was something inside of them that gave them the ability to transcend the darkness which they found themselves in. Friends, it is no secret that the world in which we live in is dark. There is a lot of darkness in our world today, isn't there? We've seen it. There's been violence in our world today, hasn't there? Hate, immorality, prejudice, fear, addiction, suicide, depression, and and, and more just pervade our society today. And in a world that is shrouded and plunged into the deepest darkness, what is the answer and what is the hope? Here's what Christ said to us today. You are the light of the world. How can that be? How how can Christ say that about us? You are the light of the world. You know, the disciples and those who were listening to the Sermon on the Mount probably thought the same thing. In fact, Charles Spurgeon in one of his sermons points this out, that this title had been given to, to Jews, certain ones of their eminent rabbis. With great pomposity, he said, they spoke of Rabbi Judah and Rabbi Jochanan and as the lamps of the universe and as the light of the world. And so they, in, in their society, these rabbis, they were the ones who, who stood out and they said, these guys are the light of the world, and yet Jesus looks at a ragtag bunch of fishermen and tax collectors who had just started following him, and he brings them up around him, just normal every day, and he says, you are the light of the world. And not only those disciples, but Jesus says that to anybody who is a disciple, anybody who is a follower of him, that would include you and I who say, well, how can I be a light of the world? What do I have? Jesus says, you are the light of the world. How can that be? I think just like that assistant manager told Dr. Evans, what we have in here is not dependent on what's happening out there. So the question is, what do we have in here? Jesus tells us what we have in here. John chapter 8 and verse 12, he tells about the believer, but he tells about himself. And this is what we have as believers. Jesus said this, I am the light of the world. Whoever will follow me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life just like those gas generators. 
that, that help to bring power when there is no power, when there is darkness that help to bring that light. So Jesus Christ living inside of you and I allows us to be able to shine bright in the midst of this darkness for what we have in here is not dependent upon what happens out there. What's happening in 2020, what happens next week when it comes to this election, it doesn't matter because you and I have been called to shine as light in the darkness because what we have in here, Jesus, the light of the world, is greater than what happens out there. Darkness is called the absence of light. Darkness is simply the absence of light. In its simplest definition, there are three types of darkness. There's physical darkness. That's what happens if we turn off all the lights and it's, it's dark. There's a, a physical darkness. In fact, when there's a physical darkness, you can't see the beauty in front of you, nor can you see the danger that might be in front of you. We must have light. That's why when the earth was formless and void and darkness, it says, covered the deep uh, in Genesis chapter 1, what God did first is He stepped in and He is the light of the world and He says, let there be light. Literally erasing the the physical darkness creating to light to govern the day, which is the sun, and light to govern the night, which is our moon. And it makes me think of, of this physical darkness. I think of Exodus. I think of the plagues of Egypt when God decided that one of the plagues was going to be darkness. In fact, such a physical presence of darkness as a plague that Exodus chapter 10 and verse 21 said that that darkness may be felt. Have you ever been in a place where it's been so dark that, that you can just kind of feel the darkness? You can feel the darkness, a physical darkness. There's also a mental darkness. A mental darkness talks a, a little bit about knowledge and understanding. It's kind of a, a symbol of ignorance or confusion, of, of not really understanding something. And sometimes we're, we're mentally bound or we're mentally in a place of darkness. That's why when all of a sudden something suddenly becomes, we, we begin to understand something, we say, the light bulb came on. Anybody ever say that before? Or you, you have the aha moment, right? Because sometimes there's a, a mental darkness. In fact, figuratively speaking, uh, Scripture talks about this and describes darkness sometimes as ignorance or falsehood. Psalm 82.5, they have neither knowledge nor understanding. They walk about in darkness. All the foundations of the earth are shaken. Again, neither knowledge nor understanding. They walk around in darkness. A lack of knowledge and understanding is connected with darkness and walking around as if we don't know where to go. But on the other side, Scripture says this in Psalm chapter 119, 105, thy word is a light to my path, right? Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. A lamp. The word of God, the truth of God. You see, the word is truth. The word of God is truth. And it illuminates the path in which we are to walk in and the path in which we are to follow. A mental darkness can relate to not knowing something about the world or not knowing something about God in the heavens. In fact, Paul talked about this in 2 Corinthians 4, 6 when he said this, For God who said, let light shine out of darkness, has shown in our hearts to give us the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. The moment that God comes in, literally light is shown into our heart in our minds, and we have that aha moment. How many of you, when you receive Christ, you realize the darkness you were in, you had that aha moment? Yeah, the light of the Lord showing in our hearts. 
But again, we can suppress that truth. How many know that truth can become real to us? We can begin to understand, but we can, we can suppress that truth. We can, we can suppress that light. Paul says this in Romans 1.21, For although they knew God, they neither glorified Him as God nor gave thanks to Him, but their thinking became futile and their foolish hearts were darkened. Darkened. Physical darkness, mental darkness, but there's also spiritual darkness. Spiritual darkness has to, has to do with this idea of moral darkness. It's the absence of God in our lives. When God is not present, when there's an absence of God, Scripture says there is a spiritual darkness, there is a moral darkness. But in 1 Peter 2.9, what happens when we have Jesus Christ in our lives is what Peter writes here, but you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession. How many would say, that's wonderful, that's who we are. But there's a job that comes with that. That you may proclaim the excellencies of him who, look at this, called you out of darkness. What kind of darkness? Moral darkness into his marvelous light. God has called us out of darkness, spiritual and moral darkness, into his marvelous light. See, Paul refers to moral darkness in terms of the deeds of darkness. Romans chapter 13, 12 through 14, the night is nearly over, the day is almost here. So let us, look at this, this is our responsibility, this is our part. Let us put aside the deeds of darkness and put on the armor of light. What are the deeds of darkness? Let us behave decently as in the daytime, not in carousing and drunkenness, not in sexual immorality or debauchery, not in dissension and jealousy. Let me just pause for a moment. We are good at amening the sexual immorality and the debauchery and the drunkenness and we're in the immorality and oh, no, 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 no. But one of the things that I think we can get caught up in that we forget about is dissension and jealousy. In fact, I would think that one of the things that snuffs out the light of the church and one of the things that I've seen in the midst of this 2020 and everything that's been going on is that there is much division, as much division in the world, as much division against uh, Republican and Democrat, and as much division in, in, in white and black and racial division, as much division as there is in, in our world today. There is division and dissension within the church. And as a result of that, we have lost our light. And God, and Paul here says this, let us, let us put aside the deeds of darkness and put on the armor of light. Behaving decently isn't just about the sexual immorality and the drunkenness and the immorality. That's a part of it and that needs to go because there is some of that in the church as well. That ruins our testimony because we don't live any differently. We're like the salt of the earth that's no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot by men. But there's also dissension and division that needs to go when God has called us to love one another. Spiritual darkness that followers of Jesus have been called out of. We're called to put aside those things. We must live as light in the midst of the darkness. Let's go back to Matthew chapter 5. Because in this illustration, he goes a little bit deeper. And he says this, neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl, but instead they put it on its stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, so let your light so shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. 
fact, this mirrors what Ephesians, what Paul writes in Ephesians 5, 8, where he says, for you once, you were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Live as children of the light. We're called to live as children. What is this illustration? What are these illustrations? Whether it's going back a verse, you're like a city on a hill that cannot be hidden, or whether it's right here that says, take the lamp and put it on a, a stand. This is the the key here. It's this. Light must be visible to be effective. Light must be visible to be effective. That's what we see, whether it's a lamp set on a lampstand that gives light to a house, or whether it's a city on the edge of a hill. And what you need to know about ancient cities is that they were oftentimes built within this white limestone, a white limestone. And so it wasn't matter whether it was night or whether it was day. When the sun was shining, they would literally gleam, and anybody who was a traveler could see that there was a city up on a hill. It would help to guide them. At night, certainly all those lamps that were burning would bring light in the midst of the darkness to help guide when there were no street lamps or electricity. These cities serves as beacons to direct travelers to the city. They could be spotted for miles, miles away, whether it was at night or in broad daylight. And again, when it came to the houses, there's no electricity. Oftentimes, just a circular window 18 inches long, and there was a, a lamp that was there and a sauce bowl filled with oil and a, a wick that was floating. And normally they'd put it in a high place so that it would spread everywhere in the house. And what we see is whether it's a city or whether it's a lamp, the only way that light is effective is when it is visible. Friends, I've got to tell you something. We must make our faith public. I, I understand. I have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. I There is something personal about our relationship with Jesus Christ, but our faith was never called to be something private. It was called to be public. There is no such thing as secret discipleship, friends. There's no such thing as private faith. You can't be a follower of Jesus Christ and nobody know about it. There's a problem with that. You're the light. Jesus didn't say you're the light of the church. He said you're the light of the world. That's great, you come in here and shine bright, but what do you do when you're outside these walls? Our faith must be visible, our light must be visible, but sometimes, sometimes there are bowls, sometimes they're, you know, put it under a bushel, no, I'm gonna let it shine. How many remember that song, right? Put it under a bushel, no, what are the bushels? There's some bushels, first of all, there's the bushel of fear. Sometimes we don't let our light shine because of the bushel of fear. How many remember there was a guy in the New Testament by the name of Joseph of Arimathea? He was a secret disciple. In fact, Scripture says this, John 19, 38, Joseph of Arimathea asked Pilate for the body of Jesus. Now, Joseph was a disciple of Jesus, but secretly because he feared the Jewish leaders. Fear can be one of those things that can be a bushel over our light. Sometimes we're afraid to let our light shine. Like Joseph, we have a secret faith. We've got a faith that is personal to us, but we're afraid to let our light shine. We're afraid to let other people know, to speak up about the name of Jesus or to, 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 to let others know about who Christ is, maybe in our workplace, maybe in our families because of fear. Maybe we, we're just afraid. Maybe they'll ask me a question I don't know. I've never been to Bible college. I don't know the answer to that. Whatever it is, there's some kind of a fear that we can put a bushel over our light. Sometimes they're the bushel of apathy. We get comfortable, so comfortable with where we're at inside the church that we we no longer care about the needs of others or the lost. We forget that there's a lost and dying world around and we get so comfortable living our light in here that we, we grow apathetic. 
1 John 3, 17 and 18 warns about this, but if anyone has the world's goods and sees his brother in need, yet closes his heart against him, how does God's love abide in him? Little children, let us not love in word or talk, but in deed and truth. Listen, I want you to worship in here. I want you to amen when you come in here. I want you to talk about Jesus when you come in here, but I don't want it to stop here. I want your deeds and I want your words and I want the things that you declare about Jesus to be lived and declared out there among your family, among your neighbors, among your friends, among those who don't know Christ because Jesus has called us to be the light of the world. Don't let a bushel of apathy keep you in. What about a bushel of silence? We talked last week about Abraham and and how he interceded on behalf of Sodom and Gomorrah and his nephew Lot. Well, what you notice in Genesis chapter 19 is where when, they, when the angels go and they, they go to, 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 to Sodom to see how bad it is, they find Lot. And where is Lot? He's at the city gate. The city gate was typically a place of influence. It was a place where leaders got together, where leaders talked, where, where leaders would share. Sodom and Gomorrah was a wicked city, but we don't have any account that Lot actually spoke up or said anything about the wickedness that was going on in the city. He didn't call anybody out, he he stayed silent, and he didn't have a reputation, so therefore when judgment was coming and warning was coming, Lot gathered his family and his daughters and his sons-in-law, and he began to warn them about the judgment. Verse 14, so Lot went out and spoke to his sons-in-law, who were pledged to be married to his daughters. He said, hurry and get out of this place, because the Lord is about to destroy the city. But his sons-in-law thought he was joking. He did not have any kind of a reputation that was worth anybody believing him or following him. He had been silent for too long. Nobody was willing to follow him and escape the judgment. But there was another guy by the name of Noah. Noah, a lot of people didn't believe either, but his family believed him. His family believed him. They got onto the ark and they were saved. And, 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 and stories in Scripture tell us that Noah was warning and warning and warning about the judgment. He didn't stay silent. Fourthly, the bushel of inconsistency. Too many times the words of our mouth don't match the actions of our lives. Philippians 2, 14 and 16 says this, do everything without grumbling or arguing so you may become blameless and pure, children of God without fault in a warped and crooked generation. Then you will shine like stars in the sky as you hold firmly to the word of life. 2020 has been difficult. But let me ask you something. How are you doing with grumbling and arguing? How are you doing with grumbling and arguing? Do everything without grumbling and arguing so that you may become blameless and pure. Children of God without fault in a warped and crooked generation. Could it be that sometimes our response to these things is not one of faith, but is just like the world around us? So how can we be a light and give hope when we're grumbling and arguing just as much as everybody else? So often... We are inconsistent. The words of our mouth don't match the actions of our lives. There's once a story of a shipwreck off the coast of 
of Florida, the storm came by night and it was so fierce that a howling wind had come and there was a lighthouse and as the howling wind came, it broke the one of the windows of the lighthouse and, and the wind was threatening to put the light in the lighthouse out. And so the keeper of the lighthouse, he wanted to do something to be able to stop the open window that had been broken by the wind. And so he took a, a, a sheet of tin that was about the same size of the window and he went up and he put the sheet of tin in the midst of the window so that the wind would not blow the light out. The problem was is that the oncoming ship was coming at just a direction in which the tin was blocking out the light and the ship could not see the light or the lighthouse and ended up running aground. Friends, sometimes there are inconsistencies in our lives that there are people that cannot see the light of Jesus Christ because of some of the inconsistencies in our faith. There's a bushel of inconsistency in our lives and it can cause terrible damage. So how do we shout, shine more? How do we shine more? Perhaps you're saying, Lord, I want to shine for you. I want to shine bright. I, how, how, how can we shine more? Maybe you say, I don't want to be in the, I don't want to have a, 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 a bushel of fear or apathy or silence or inconsistency. Donald Gray Barnhouse explained it this way. He said this, Christ was in the world, and when he was in the world, he was the shining sun that was here in the day and is gone at night. When the sun sets, the moon comes up, and the moon is the picture of the believer or the church because the moon reflects the light of the sun. It doesn't shine with its own light, it's a it shines with a reflected light. You know what we learn about this? If we want to shine bright for Jesus, we've got to stay near the light. You want to shine bright for Jesus, you've got to stay near the light. A man was returning from a journey. He was concerned because power kept going out, and so he was looking for a way in which he could, he could light up his house. And so what he found at a, a local store is he found a, a matchbox, not a matchbox car, a matchbox with matches in it. And what was unique about this particular matchbox is, is that it said that it glowed in the dark. So he thought, this is perfect. He brought it home to his wife. He said, next time the power goes out, we'll be able to find the matches because this matchbox glows in the dark. She said, oh, let's try it. So they opened up the closet door. They they got in the closet where it was nice and dark and they closed the door and nothing happened. Where's the matchbox? It isn't, it isn't glowing. She said, you bought a faulty matchbox. So they came out and they began to read and look at the box and they saw some lettering, real small in French. And so they found someone to interpret it. And, uh, and, and, and this is what the inscription said. If you want me to shine in the night, keep me in the light. If you want me to shine in the night, keep me in the light. Friends, Jesus said, you are the light of the world. But we cannot shine unless we stay close to Jesus who is the light of the world. There is no light inside of us. There is nothing inside of us that brings light. It is the Holy Spirit within us. It is Jesus, the light of the world. So if you and I want to shine bright, we've got to stay close to the light. We've got to stay close to the light. We ourselves must expose ourselves to Jesus and delight in His Word. Spend time in prayer and spend time in His presence soaking up His rays so that when we are walking, we are walking with the light of Jesus Christ reflecting from our lives. 2 Corinthians 3.18, and we all with unveiled faces beholding the glory of the Lord are being transformed into the same image one degree of glory to another from this comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. 
See, earlier we said, show us your glory. We sang it, show us your glory. Why? Because when you experience and you stay in the presence and the glory of the Lord, your life is transformed and you begin to reflect the glory of Jesus to everyone around. So friends, do you need to stay close to the light? Is there something in your life, perhaps a bushel of fear, that is covering up your light, apathy, silence, inconsistency? Is there a bushel of fear that is keeping you from living out your call to be the light of the world? Friends, we're going to close in worship, and I want to encourage you, let's get into the presence of Jesus this morning, and let's begin to just say, Lord, we just need you. Let's bow our heads right now. And I just want to ask you this, I just felt prompted that maybe you've been in darkness, maybe you've been walking in darkness, and today you say, you know what, I had one of those aha moments, I need Jesus to draw me out of the darkness and to give me eternal life, I need Jesus to come and live in me, or maybe you were walking with the Lord, but you've not been walking that way, you've been walking away from the Lord, you say, I gotta come back, I've gotta come back to Jesus, I've gotta come back to the light today, if that's you, will you slip up your hand today, I need Jesus, I need to come out of the darkness, I need to turn to the Lord. Is there anybody in here watching online? I need to come to Jesus. Anybody at all this morning? Just lift up your hand. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Secondly, this morning you're here and you say, you know what, there are some inconsistencies or, or maybe there's some fear or there's something in my life that I don't feel like I'm shining brightly for the Lord. It's, it's kind of inhibiting. Maybe there's sin that you need to confess to the Lord today because of some inconsistencies or, or immorality and you say, I, gotta, I, I need Jesus, I need His forgiveness or I need His boldness or His courage or whatever it is to take the, the, the bushel off so that my light will shine bright. If that's you, will you slip up your hand today? Today, there are some things in my life I got to get rid of, some things in my life I need to let go of, yeah. Father, right now, we just come to you. You see the hands that are raised in Jesus. We just ask you, Lord, to, to remove whatever it is that is standing in the way in our lives of letting our light shine. Maybe it's fear. Maybe it's inconsistency. Maybe it's silence. Maybe we've been apathetic and you've been stirring our hearts. Oh, God, forgive us today. Forgive us today that we might be close to you and walk as children of the light, that we might be the light that you are calling us to be. Father, we thank you and bless you in Jesus' name, amen. Come on. Thanks for listening to today's podcast. We pray that you are encouraged and strengthened by God's word. For more information about Painesville Assembly of God, please visit PainesvilleAG.com.